0: Center to medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Newell Worshburn. Dr. Worshburn is an assistant professor of chemistry and biomedical engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, he has a variety of research interests, but in terms of outcomes, uh, some of his uh, focus areas include wound healing and bone tissue engineering. Dr. Worshburn, it's a pleasure to have you today. Well, thanks for having me. So, I believe maybe the place to start is to discuss uh, briefly the, uh, your interest in some of your activities as it relates to wound healing. Could you share with us a bit of insight in that regard?
1: Sure. The main goal of our research group is to design materials with sort of new dimensions of biological activity. In particular, we're interested in developing materials that can locally regulate inflammatory responses, which is usually the body's. First step in uh, tissue repair or regeneration.
0: So we have had other people on this podcast talking about inflammation, and uh, I think uh, most people initially think about inflammation as being bad. But uh, is it? Am I correct? That's not necessarily the case.
1: That's right, John. the The body's ha- repair process is highly integrated, and inflammation is actually. Can play a necessary role in even healthy uh, wound healing. One of the functions of inflammation is to clean up the wound site where cells come in and scavenge dead tissue or bacteria that may have gotten in through uh, broken epithelial layers. So, from that perspective alone, it's necessary. But then, further along in the inflammatory process, the same cells that were consuming dead tissue and bacteria start to actually lay down the foundation for which the tissue repair occurs. I
0: might uh, remind our listeners that some time ago we had the pleasure of having Dr. Vodabas on this uh, podcast and he spent a lot of time talking about his modeling of inflammatory processes, so that might be a, a benchmark in terms of those who are interested in this particular area. So to return to uh, your interests, uh, what is uh, what is the focus of your near-term studies as it relates to wound healing and inflammatory processes?
1: Well, I, I mean, I have a, uh, I've followed Yarm's research with great interest and it sort of it kind of turns out that in some ways mine is an experimental test of a lot of his modeling. I mean, he does his own experiments as well, but really what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop materials that will regulate the activities of mostly cytokines that are involved in promoting or regulating infl- inflammation. So these are proteins like tumor necrosis factor alpha or, or interleukin-1 beta. And Jorm and has done some really beautiful uh, work in trying to model how the inflammatory process is really guided by these proteins. So the idea is that we're trying to indirectly control the inflammatory process by controlling the proteins that mediate inflammation.
0: Now, I know that uh, some of your interests are in terms of science advancement in general, and I know that you're also involved in working with a lot of collaborators in terms of some uh, soldier wound healing uh, initiatives, but whether it be either of these applications, how would these technologies that you're developing be applied clinically that uh, our lay audience might uh, understand?
1: Sure. The, uh, The main goal that we're trying to achieve is to try and redirect the early stages of wound healing and inflammation toward tissue repair and regeneration. So even in healthy adults, There's some speculation that our innate inflammatory responses may be a little too intense. And so for, in the case of uh, soldier wound healing, what we're interested in trying to do is develop strategies for, in some ways, inhibiting the activities of these proteins that lead to very intense inflammatory responses. The idea being that if you have a healthy patient, you really want to try and shorten the length of the inflammatory process to what's the bare minimum and move move on to the more uh, repair, reparative processes. The second related area is that inflammation is really about a balance of, of signals, and some of the signals tend to promote inflammation, and some actually tend to promote uh, healing. And what we're trying to do with a similar approach is actually Uh, promote the activities of the proteins that are involved in in healing. Again, from a clinical
0: perspective, a doctor who has uh, access to your ultimately perfected uh, technologies uh, would do what?
1: Well, it it could serve a lot of different applications. so for in the case of healthy adults with severe injuries or possibly even burns we haven't tested the materials on burns yet but that's something we're we're certainly interested in. The idea is that these materials would control inflammation in a way that would promote healing and so uh, a lot of the the materials that we're working on can actually be topically applied as gels that and what they'll do is they'll locally control inflammation without giving the patient uh, systemic dose, in other words, a dose rather than dosing their entire body. We're just going to try and um, keep the material active at the site of injury where it's needed, and that's really one of the fundamental ideas in tissue engineering: is is acting locally and promoting tissue repair.
0: We always have listeners who are um, in need of uh, some of these emerging technologies how close are some of these techniques to being at least available for clinical trials
1: in some ways working the the strategies that we're working on for healthy adults like soldiers uh, is in some ways it's a it's a really big challenge people have been working trying to work on strategies for scarlet what's called scarless wound healing so basically complete regeneration of the skin for you could argue even millennia, and so this is this is a, a very difficult problem another line another application that we 're interested in for these materials that we 're developing is actually in promoting the repair of what are called chronic wounds and so these are for they tend to occur in in patients with impaired healing responses like people with diabetes, for example, are prone toward forming these chronic wounds so they 're basically just wounds. Uh, particularly on the bottom of their feet that form that don't heal. And the the root of this lack of healing is the, the the wound basically gets stuck in this inflammatory stage and never progresses to the healing stage. And so we think that if we can actually control the inflammation, this would be a very straightforward way of of controlling of trying to promote repair of these uh, non-healing wounds. And so that's something that it, we're, we're also we're hope, also hopeful that we'll be moving into a clinical trial and within a couple of years.
0: Very interesting and uh, very promising. Uh, Dr. Washburn, as I mentioned earlier, I know you're one of the collaborators in the recently announced Armed Forces Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Uh, can you uh, give us a bit of insight in that, at least from the uh, focus area that uh, you're highly involved in?
1: A firm grant has really been uh, an opportunity for us uh, to get more involved in, in direct applications. I mean, my background is probably more in, in basic research and being able to, to directly with clinicians working at the Army Hospital uh, closely with them as, as well as other collaborators at University of Pittsburgh and across the country in developing advanced therapies for promoting wound healing. Uh, scarlet wound healing in particular is, is a real exciting opportunity for us. At the end of the day, we, we really view the materials that we're developing as, as part of a more comprehensive therapy. And the other pieces could involve soluble drugs or even stem cells or other cell therapies. And so we're very excited to participate in this multi-investigator program.
0: I uh, might mention, as I have in several previous podcasts, that what Dr. Worshburn is speaking about in terms of these multidisciplinary approaches is the uh, key to success in, in many of these complex issues, and this is just but another example of that regard. <laughs> I know that uh, some of the uh, leaders in this region have uh, an interest in seeing these uh, emerging technologies also result in uh, uh, commercial aspects of this as they, as they mature. Do you have any observations in that regard?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunities in this regard. It uh, depends, in some ways, on the exact you know what part of the solution you're working on. I think people that are working on on stem cell therapies. I mean, everyone recognizes that this has really vast potential for uh, develop for, as a basis for new approaches to treating a very broad range of of diseases. But there are also some Realities uh, some economic realities in terms of commercializing uh, say a stem cell therapy that you know in terms of of trying to personalize it and can it be something that 's off the shelf or does it have to be does it need special uh, handling and transport and even delivery strategies so in some ways, stem cells would be very different from from drug uh, from your classical pharmaceuticals. The work that my group is doing is probably a little bit closer it's like a souped-up Band-Aid, essentially, uh, at least with the wound the wound healing work, and this is something that's a little more amenable to the standard sort of therapeutics development process. Uh, and there, you know, we're starting to think about issues related to regulatory uh, regulatory approval and clinical trials and things like that.
0: It's interesting that you talk about the uh, essentially the different business models that uh, people need to consider in terms of uh, the wide variety of regenerative medicine therapies that are either on the horizon or in in people's view and it's clear that some of the traditional business models uh, certainly aren't applicable in some of these cases. I I look forward to continued uh, progress reports in terms of the work of you and your colleagues in the area of uh, wound healing and scarless wound healing. But I also know that uh, you have some interest and had programs in the area of bone tissue engineering. uh, We've had in the past uh, many scientists and engineers on this podcast who have been active in soft tissue engineering. I believe you're one of the first that's uh, been involved in bone tissue engineering. Can you give us a little bit of insight into your, your activities and what the state-of-the-art is in that area?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so in bone tissue engineering, You know, our role, again, is, is really trying to provide advanced materials for promoting tissue repair. And as with other tissue engineering approaches, the final solutions will probably be a mixture of materials, soluble factors like drugs, and possibly even cells or stem cells. So the materials that we're trying to make have themselves have intrinsic biological activity. So it would be a sort of a structural material that's recognized by the body and provides some sort of signal that uh, initiates or promotes a repair response. So we've been doing a lot of work in making... Uh, especially for bone, you have to be thinking a lot about the mechanical properties of the material. And so we've been doing some work in trying to take a polysaccharide that's found naturally in in our bodies called hyaluronic acid and incorporating it into mechanically durable materials in a way that the hyaluronic acid is still recognizable by the the patient's body. And when combined with either a gene therapy or release of recombinant proteins or a stem cell therapy, we're hoping that this material can contribute to healing of particularly um, serious fractures. So so things like hairline fractures in most adults heal pretty well and but if if you have uh, serious fractures or non-union defects—that's something that that tends not to heal as well—and and is is uh, an important application for, for bone tissue engineering approaches.
0: So, for these complex fractures, what's the state of the art now? Well, there are a lot
1: of there have been a lot of advances in the field, and there's been a lot of exciting work in de- actually developing ceramic materials, uh, so calcium b- calcium phosphate-based materials that are or calcium hydroxide-based materials that are absorbed by the body during the repair process and promote rapid formation of new bone. There's been uh, some, some exciting advances in uh, cell-based therapies where bone cells from bone, bone derived from bone marrow are uh, used in, in scaffolds that can promote repair and regeneration. And then there's also a lot of work in recombinant proteins, such as bone morphogenetic proteins that are very potent at promoting bone regeneration. So, really, we've we've made a lot in recent years. We've made a lot of advances in the the sort of the, the three cornerstones of um, of bone tissue engineering. Again, those are the materials, the cells, and the soluble factors. And so, I think in the next few years, we're going to see a lot of exciting new therapies coming onto the market. Uh, that are really going to elevate the, the state-of-the-art in the field.
0: It's uh, certainly an important area for any of our listeners that have had family or acquaintances that have uh, been affected by severe bone fractures, you know mm-hmm. of the challenges in uh, getting the, them to heal. Dr. Warshburn. one of the factors that most of us are aware of is that the uh, average age in this country and in many other countries is is increasing and projected to continue to increase there's uh, certainly issues related to elderly osteoporosis and similar issues uh, what does this technology offer in that regard
1: well it's there are a lot of important applications of this technology particularly for for patients with impaired healing responses like older patients with osteoporosis since a lot of these therapies are based on augmenting our na- native healing responses they actually work synergistically in these, in, for these patients as well. So these you know, advanced ceramics that can promote bone regeneration or recombinant proteins such as bone morphogenetic proteins or cell-based therapies where even the patient's own, cells harvested from the patient's own bone marrow can be used the basis for or used as part of a, a bone tissue engineering therapy. We've really seen advances in the three cornerstones of of bone tissue engineering, the materials, the soluble factors, and the cells. And I think in the next few years, there are going to be some very exciting applications that become commercially available and really start to make a significant impact in the way that we treat patients now.
0: Very interesting, and I commend you for the advances that you're leading. Dr. Worshper and I, know in addition to your research responsibilities that uh, you also have uh, academic interest. Can you tell us a little bit about the... uh, academic area at Carnegie Mellon that you're involved in? Well, my
1: appointment at Carnegie Mellon is is between two colleges, which is a little unusual, but it actually is works well for, for my research interests. So I have one foot in the Department of Chemistry, which is in the Mellon College of Science. And so... I uh, teach one one class a year for them. I, uh, there I've been teaching the first semester organic chemistry, which doesn't necessarily make me the most popular person on campus, but it's a nice way to meet a lot of our, our uh, science and engineering students. And then in the spring, uh, I teach for in the College of Engineering. I have an appointment in biomedical engineering and actually a, a courtesy appointment in the Department of Material Science. And I teach a class that's cross-listed in those. Uh, on polymeric biomaterials, so it's really, uh, it's basically just the applications of polymers in medicine. And our dean of engineering at Carnegie Mellon, Pradeep Khosla, has really been encouraging the faculty to try and in- integrate entrepreneurship into the curriculum. And so as part of my biomaterials class last year, I rolled out the first version of a uh, project in entrepreneurship, and that was actually focused on having the students think about developing uh, novel therapy for something related to wound healing. So in that, uh, in those projects, the, I've, the students, I formed them into teams. They each got to pick their own application. So some did therapies for chronic wounds, some did cutaneous delivery of cancer drugs, and they went through the patent literature, they surveyed the scientific literature, and came up with what I thought were really outstanding proposals for novel therapies for, for treating a host of conditions. And I think it, it really gave them a sense of, of how at least the early stages of the entre- entrepreneurial process work, and, and even if they don't go on to start their own companies – what we're really hoping hoping is that if they go into go and work for a large established company or go into academia or go work in government that just the just a basic entrepreneurial approach to their job will lead to a much more rewarding career for for them
0: most interesting and uh, we've had some of our previous uh, guests on this podcast talk about the entrepreneurial aspects of uh, the, this particular field, and it's uh, exciting to hear what you're doing in both training students and encouraging them to be proactive in this area. Uh, Dr. Worshburn, it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on Regenerative to Medicine today. I appreciate you sharing these exciting developments uh, with our audience, and I look forward to sometime in the future you joining us again for an update. As we conclude uh, this uh, podcast, I'd like to remind our listeners that we uh, welcome suggestions in terms of topics. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. I also remind you that we're not in a position to diagnose medical problems via the internet. And as we conclude, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors these podcasts. And I look forward to joining you in two weeks with another interesting interview. Thank you.